that's when it came out of a clear blue sky. Oh, the dear good Lord's own sweet breath and his voice like an electric shock. I Welcome to Good Luck America, a politics and news podcast, with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Chet Wild. Hey everybody! You said stop it, and then you push start. Welcome, welcome to Good Luck America, a politics and news podcast. A news and politics podcast. I'm Adam Todd Brown. I'm Chet Wild. Adam, what's a podcast? We always explain the Good Luck America part, but we don't explain what the what a podcast is. It is a radio show for young people. Oh. And well, congratulations out there for being young. You might say, you know what? I got three kids, one grandkid. You're listening to this. So you're young. We've been on we've been on a break for a while. I wouldn't call it much of a break. <laughs> it was not a relaxing. We didn't record break. for one week and you and I both had shit go nuts in our lives, so yeah. Anyway, welcome back. Welcome. Everybody. Hello. Hello. Hope you, hope you had a Hi. good holidays. Hope you all had better holidays than Adam. And I hope all of your holidays were really great. What are we talking about today? Well, real quick before we get into it. No, no. Did you watch Vice yet? No. But I assume you want to. I, I very much want okay, to. Yeah. I think I'm going to see it tonight. Uh, what did I? I went and saw Bumblebee on yeah, Christmas. I saw your sad tweet about Bumblebee Day. being your favorite movie. Yeah. Yeah, Bumblebee was fun. I what people are gonna say this is a bit. I watch. It's not. I watch that thing you do for the first time. The extended full director's cut. Finally, I know. I, I only saw parts of it before. And man, you know Tom Hanks' character is gay, and his boyfriend is played by Howie. Uh, who's the football guy? Howie Long. Yeah, yeah I do remember that. Howie yeah. Mandel. Howie Mandel mm-hmm. did not play football. That thing you what do. Great are Christmas movie. We talking about today? Christmas is over, Chet. Christmas is over. It's I time. haven't opened all my gifts, so it's, it's not over. It's time yet. to get back to business. And talking about this fucking government. When this comes out, our government's still probably partially closed, right? Oh, I'm sure it's still shut down for sure. Trump is. Alexa, tweeted, open the government. Trump has tweeted today uh, that he will threaten to just close the border indefinitely. We should just close the government indefinitely. I would be fine with that, given who our president is right now. Today we are talking about the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, the IEEPA. IEPA. And this is this is a rarity. This is a joint episode. We're doing a fun thing where two episodes of separate podcasts tie in together. So. Good luck, America. Today, which we're recording right now, and that you at home are listening to. Right now, ideally, if you're or at work, this. you're probably at work. Yeah, you're probably at work, maybe in your car, something like that. But you get it. You get what we mean. Uh, this is we're kind of working in conjunction with the What in the World podcast because I feel like those two podcasts th- do work together in a lot of ways because this is our American news yeah. and politics. We look podcast. at the thing from an internal standpoint, and then you and Quincy look at things from the external world standpoint. Right. And on on what in the world we talk about international news and politics. So on this episode, we're talking about the International Emergency Economic Powers Act. Well, which, what the fuck is that, Adam? Well, we'll we'll get into it. It's it's a scary thing that Trump has at his disposal to do a lot of bad things. But uh, on Friday or no Thursday's episode of What in the World, we're talking about. The United States and its campaign against Huawei, which is a smartphone maker in China. I've talked about it on the main Unpops podcast uh, before, but there have been so many new developments. They actually make more phones than there are iPhones, right? Like they produce. They're the second largest smartphone maker in the world behind it's Samsung. Samsung. Samsung, Huawei, and Apple. Then Apple, yeah. Yeah. And you don't hear these security concerns about their phones and infrastructure from other countries, weirdly enough. But we're talking about Huawei on Friday or on Thursday's episode of Good Luck America. And this is Good Luck America. God damn it. On Thursday's episode I'm, of What in the World. I already give up on this joint thing. I'm, th- I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> on Thursday's episode. Restart the podcast. On Thursday's episode of What in the World, you'll be talking about Huawei. Huawei. And the reason these two things tie together is the Trump administration has just 
floated the idea of issuing an executive order against Huawei for violating sanctions against Iran and spying on the United States and a whole bunch of other things. Don't they have their, like, one of their higher-ups in custody right now, too? Right. Someone, they arrested the CFO of Huawei in Canada recently. In they That arrest was made because of a U.S. investigation, and now she's facing extradition. And I think 30 years in prison for each charge that she's facing. So it all ties into our tariffs and trade wars and everything that's happening with China. And the the reason we're talking about the International Emergency Economic Powers Act is this executive order that the Trump administration wants to issue and probably will issue invokes that act. And it's a it's a thing I don't think a lot of people know about. So I want to just kind of go into a little bit of detail about the International Emergency Economic Powers Act and uh, especially how it relates to Mexico paying for the border wall, because that's a thing I've written about before. We're going to talk about all of it. <sighs> Such a stupid idea. It, it, which idea? The They're Mexican all stupid ideas. Wall. The border wall specifically. The border wall is a dumb idea that we don't need, and I, I, I worry that... The argument over, oh, well, you said Mexico would be the ones to pay for it. I feel like we're going to keep prodding Trump on that point, and he'll be like, all right, here we go. And that's when he'll roll out the International Emergency Economic so Powers that's Act. One of my issues with like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, they've tweeted variations of like, no, we're not going to sign this. You said Mexico would pay for it. No, d- don't exactly what yeah, you said. Yeah, that to. shouldn't be our You should be there. saying that. You should be saying we don't need a wall, or at least not an entire wall. Like, maybe there are certain points where it makes sense to put that up. I'm not saying that isn't part of border security, but, like, right. a wall for a wall's sake, because you promised it, because a bunch of fucking racist supporters are like, that'll keep them out. No. Yeah, I don't If you track don't like how the idea. drugs come in our country, like, you can't build a wall in the fucking ocean, you know? Like, So, let's talk about the... International Emergency Economic Powers Act, which we'll probably just refer to as IEPA from here on because it's easier. I- like a E-E-P-A. car horn. IEPA. And I wrote about this in a cracked article way, way, way back in 2016 because that's how I do. And I wrote about it in relation to Mexico paying for the border wall, which is a thing Trump has been talking about for years. And People really scoff at the idea of Trump making Mexico pay for this, but the International Emergency Economic Powers Act IEPA, is the tool that Trump could use to make that happen, and it wouldn't be as hard as people think. It would involve seizing remittance payments, which we'll talk about at the end of the podcast, but remittance payments are the money that people who are working here either illegally or maybe they're here legally but their family lives in money another they country send back home money they send back home and, and we would middleman and be like yoink and you would think well how much could that really amount to in 2015 the bank of mexico reported that the country earned more from remittance payments than petroleum profits for the first time in history. This and that is- was just from the people working at Trump's hotels and golf courses illegally. Exactly. Because <laughs> exactly. he's a hypocrite. He sure is. And we're talking, I think it's 15 to $20 billion a year. So if Trump could just seize a third of those remittance payments, he could he would have his $5 million or $5 billion. By the way, there's no fucking way that they build an entire wall for 5 That does seem cheap. It's not, yeah, it's fucking nothing. Because it's got to be a really long wall. And also, like, that, that crowdfunding campaign that both sides keep giving attention to, which only helps it grow, like, it's up to, like, $5 million or whatever, and people are like, oh, we're, like, the... I can't use the R word, but the... What's the, the R word? Republicans? Republicans, yeah. Why can't you use oh, that? Man. You think there's a lot of Dems donating to that cause? People, but the thing a is, of, like... A lot of libtards? The, the math on that is, like, they haven't even raised, like... A quarter of one percent of that. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just insane. Yeah, it's it's nuts. <clears throat> and 
so so yeah the the international emergency economic powers act i've written about it before what it basically does is it gives the president really broad powers to control commerce and transactions between us and people in other countries and it it's the kind of thing that I don't know why it doesn't get talked about more because we use it all the fucking time. It's basically how we start the sanctions process. I assume it doesn't get talked about more because it's a little complicated and people are simple. It things. is complicated, yeah. It's but it's not that complicated. It it basically whenever you hear about a an entity getting their assets frozen in the United States, the e- international just um, God damn it, Aipa. That's usually involved. Like, that's usually the starting point. And so let's... I, I want to talk about just kind of the history of this and how it evolved. The history of what? Aipa! There it is. It was enacted on October 28th, 1977 by the Carter administration. That, of course, being Little Wayne <laughs> of Cash Money Records. And it authorizes the president to regulate commerce after declaring a national emergency in response to any unusual and extraordinary threat to the U.S., which has a foreign source. And that includes threats to national security, foreign policy, or the economy of the United States. Chat, what happened in that line? You capitalized the word economy. Why? Because that's what we're talking about here with what you could (laughs) fuck with to make that wall. Exactly. Yeah, I capitalized economy in that line because that is... The thing that Trump will be able to seize on as it pertains to Mexico building this wall. He, I feel like at some point is going to argue that they're, they pose an economic threat to the safety of the United States because they're not doing enough to keep people from Central and South America from coming here. I would love to get in an argument with Trump supporters about the wall and just be like, no, fucking, we shouldn't even have to build the wall. Mexico should build the wall. And then just watch their minds explode and be like, yeah. And that I feel like you could kind of like herd lemmings and just get them to this like, yeah, we shouldn't build the wall. Mexico should build the wall. And then yeah. just nothing ever gets done because they be, put it all on Mexico building the wall. That would be ideal. Uh, So, yeah, as it pertains to illegal immigration, all he would really have to do is say, like I said, Mexico isn't doing enough to stop this. Which he already is saying in various forms. Oh, yeah, for sure. And with that, he could invoke AIPA and basically force Mexico to pay for the border wall by taking money from people sending money back home to their families. It authorizes the president to block transactions and freeze assets in response to that threat. It comes out of a couple different laws which are still on the books. There's the Trading with the Enemy Act of 1917, you know the one, and the National Emergencies Act. And these all, all, of, all three of these acts sort of work together to allow the president to do uh, a lot of things in response to a an external threat to the United States. I'm not saying the president should have been given more power over time, but when laws like this are put in place, it's with the assumption that we have, regardless of party, a competent leader that, through his own lens, is putting our country best interests at heart. Right. And we do not have that in office. Right, but we'll go through some examples of how there haven't really been any leaders in recent history who have used this responsibly and in a good way. We talk all the time on What in the World about Venezuela. Everything that we've been doing to kind of fuck with Venezuela, at least in the past you know, five years or so, started with this same thing, but it was issued by Obama. And Trump has just renewed it every year since he's been in office. George Bush issued... You just got to tell him that Obama started it, and then he'll stop renewing it. See, that's, that's exactly why that should be your clue that this is a bigger... This is not a partisan thing. Like, when we do this, it's... It almost feels like an Illuminati thing where there's someone above all of that who's like, Deep all right, this is what we're doing right now, and you're all going to fucking agree with it. Because that's the thing. Trump came into office promising to overturn all of Obama's executive orders, but he didn't overturn this one. Yeah. 
He didn't overturn the one that allowed us to fuck with Venezuela in a money way because they were a threat to national security. They're not a threat to national security. Venezuelans aren't going to fucking come here and start bombing the United States. But because we put that order in place, it allows us to act like they are. And then we can kind of control the money and commerce that flows to and from Venezuela, not only from us, but also from our allies. Like once we put something like this in place, countries in Europe, like all of all of the people that sort of rely on us for aid and shit, they have to sort of fall in line or else we're going to be like, hey, you're working with the enemy. Do you want us to cut you off also? And of course they don't. So it, it has we this way their elections. Yeah, it has this ripple effect that goes out throughout the entire world. And it's what they're it's what we're doing to China right now, which we talk on the, the Thursday episode about whether it's justified or not. But uh, it it really gives the president a lot of powers and it's it's unsettling. Uh, ostensibly, what's really interesting about this, the International Emergency Economic Powers Act was Say it. IEPA was actually meant to curtail the powers of the president during a time of emergency because they had all of, the president had all of these powers to kind of act on people within the United States even during if he issued an order like this and we kind of curtailed that when IEPA was signed into law in 1977 but all it did is require that if take the Venezuela executive order all that is required now since Obama issued that is that the president just has to renew it every year. He has to go to Congress and say, hey, this is still a threat and we're going to keep this order in place. And also to issue it, he just has to say there's a problem and we need to do this. So any president can get this on the books. And when it was signed into law, it made it seem like it was curtailing the president's powers. But it just requires that he does that one thing. And also, if it's going to be rescinded, it requires a joint resolution. That means Congress, Senate, House and Senate they work smoke together. Up together. You know how often that happens. The House and Senate working together in perfect harmony. That's never going to fucking happen. They're not even being a fucking system of checks and balances right now, like... No. And even then, if a joint resolution is passed, it goes to the president who can veto veto it. And then what percentage? You need two thirds of. No, the president with veto, you can't fucking override it. It's this, not a veto in this case. It's just him. Either, oh, denying it. Either. So it can't go back to the House and Senate. They can't override. No, it's just him. They should either, always be able to override. Yeah. That's like what at a certain percentage point. That's why this is so scary, because it doesn't... And we'll get into a case where the Ninth, the, the Ninth Circuit Court did put some restrictions on the government... Shout out Ninth Circuit. ...over this, but it's never gone to the Supreme Court. We don't know if Trump really decides to start using this against Americans, which he very well could, or just people living here. We don't know what the Supreme Court, especially in its current makeup, is going to say if those cases get there. And if the Supreme Court says, yeah, it's fine, then Trump just kind of has this power to use unchecked forever. Because he's, like I said, when he issues an executive order invoking IEPA, he's basically policing himself at that point. He's the one who says whether it gets renewed each year, and your joint resolution can say it should be rescinded, but then it gets to his desk and he just he can just say, no, it's still, in, still active. Bad times! It's a, it's a quick digression. To give you a break from this sadness, uh, speaking of the Supreme Court, there's a really uh, – the trailer looks really good for this. Uh, it's called RBG. It's a Ruth Bader uh, Ginsburg documentary. Yeah. I want to see that. That is a diversion. But, yeah, I want to see that too. That's been out for a while. It's been like on doing like the, the film – No, it's on the, Netflix. Oh, is it really? Yeah. It's just now coming to CNN, I believe, oh, well, I which is like the equivalent of – of a movie coming to FX. I heard it on NPR. Well, you don't believe everything. Don't believe everything you hear on NPR. Can we do one episode com and complete NPR? Like, really do the do the audio drops and the... the I would the, be fine the, with it, yeah. Yeah, let's let's do that. That's, We're going to read out credits at the end. Edit this out, but what the, what's that? 
Uh, let's have that be a gift to our readers for the first episode of the <laughs> our year. Our readers? Yeah. <laughs> people read the transcripts of this episode. Those people. So yeah, this one of the things we did after 9-11... Uh, all we did a lot of good things after 9/11, and I'm being very sarcastic when I say that because we passed the Patriot Act after 9/11, which, not to be a conspiracy theorist, but I'm kind of a conspiracy theorist. One of the weird things about 9/11 to me is how quick we rolled out the Patriot Act after that. That's a lot of words with yeah. a lot of people very like, well thought out. People are like, we don't even have time to read this. It's like who the fuck had time to write it? It's almost it's like, the great American novel. God it's damn. like whenever a major celebrity or former president dies, and people are like, how do they get the videos like in the packages ready? So it's like they they they've been know that person's cut for die. years, and then they just slap the year date on it. Right. Uh, and I feel like that might be the case with the Patriot Act. Like they pretty much had it written however long ago, and they were, were just, just waiting for the waiting right to slap the day terrorist out. attack to happen <clears throat> to issue it from Nothing people in Saudi Arabia. What? No, you can't say that in America. Okay, I'm just you'll get beheaded for blaming Saudi Arabia for 9/11 in the United States. But uh, as part of the Patriot Act. They made a change to the International Emergency Economic Powers Act that basically said the government could come in and seize your assets and take all your shit just because they're investigating. Like, they don't have to prove you've done anything wrong. They don't have to tell you what they're investigating or why they're investigating you. As soon as they launch an investigation, all right, we took your shit. It's almost like a... Trump supporter where you're just presenting facts and we're like, ah, we can't, doesn't matter. We just do whatever we want and say and just make shit up. Yeah. Because you can't even dispute the supposed evidence they have because they won't let you see it and they won't tell you what it is. You can't take it to court. And that actually, it that ties into, like, we're going to talk about another case that kind of had a good ending. Oh, I know. I was setting you up for that. But it's not unlike what's happening with Huawei right now. Where they're like, show us the fucking evidence that we're spying. Like, there has never been any legitimate proof that Huawei or any of those Chinese tech companies are actually spying on the United States. And we go into more detail about this on What in the World, but think about, like, why would they? Like, so much... Our trade deficit with China, we send something like $116 billion worth of exports to China. They send us back something like $480 billion. So for them to launch this massive espionage campaign against the United States would be jeopardizing all of that. It would wreck their fucking economy. So there's actually not like I know everyone hears China and goes, well, of course, they'll spy on us. Like, whatever, you fucking Hulk Hogan-loving <laughs> motherfucker. Like, every, like the world doesn't work that way. It's not that black and white where everyone is just pure evil. Like, com- China is just pure communist evil who wants to get in every one of our homes. They want to get their fucking phones and laptops That's in that our said, I wouldn't put it past some of these companies or people within these companies to plant backdoor traps where they could potentially turn on devices or, or features at a later point. But I also uh, wouldn't put it past our government to be like, no, 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 no. We want to build that infrastructure so we can put back doors. Oh, yeah. In I mean, that already happens. It happens, and you fucking know that's the motivation here. It's not wanting to hurt the business of the big fucking telecom carriers like Verizon and Sprint and all that shit. But also, if anyone's going to spy on us, it's going to be our government. China's like, I'm not a fucking Chinese dissident. I know about Tiananmen Square. Like, I can fucking look it up here. There's nothing they can do about that. Like, if I was some high-profile government employee who maybe had access to secrets and China could get to me, maybe that would be beneficial. But China just fucking having access to every phone in the United States, isn't that, it's not going to do that much. For them, like everything we've read and heard about the NSA, they can already do that. Like, it's not, I feel like a lot of these arguments about backdoor access are meant to hide the fact that they already have that access. As a quick aside, but also related, like how how much of this technology, like facial recognition technology um, and different spying technologies are out there. I had, I'm on a, a comedy show, New Year's Eve, not plugging it. Uh, and 
a friend of a friend uploaded the poster to Facebook that had my face on it. And Facebook notified me that, hey, this person that has seven friends in common with you uploaded a photo and we think it's you in it. Would you like to tag yourself? Like, that's insane yeah. that every photo, that means every image uploaded to Facebook is automatically scanned and each face is scanned and run against a database. Like, that's right. fucking nuts. But we needed to promote comedy shows. It's like, man, can't we just go back to posting classified ads? And shit. I was gonna plug it on this podcast, but hit it, up the actually, event this comes site. out New Year's Eve. Yeah, if you, if you're listening to this earlier in the day and you're in the LA area, right? You can come see me uh, tonight, nine thirty, Ha Ha Cafe. Come at eight thirty. Uh, ticket includes a one hour free buffet. You pay Very for the ticket, nice. but yeah, maybe I'll come out. All right. Uh, so so yeah, the after nine eleven, we passed this. Uh, we passed the Patriot Act, and it included an update to IEPA that. Permitted the Come blocking. Aipa that permitted the blocking of assets during the and this is a quote pendency of an investigation. So the investigation doesn't even have to have started. They just have to go. Hey, we're going to investigate you at some point. Yeah, In the meantime, give us all of your assets. And the first one of the first groups they tried this on. Oh, real quick. Uh, the thing about fighting them is like. How are you going to fight back against that when you don't have any assets or exactly. resources? Yeah. And that's that's the thing. Like a lot of people, we're going to talk about a, 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 an example of this. And it does end with that company like not getting in that much trouble. But they also spend years and years and years fighting the government in court. So at that point, does it matter if the government wins? Like right now. No, if, that's the point. It's not about right. It's just about, like, paralyzing you. It's about paralyzing you and just liquidating you of your assets by any means necessary so you don't have the ability to do whatever you're doing. I also see the government doing this where they seize the assets, and then they just kind of spend them or liquid, you know, put them towards building a wall or whatever. And then if a company or a person did win a case against the government, the government would be like, sorry, that money's gone now. We yeah. already spent it. Yeah, yeah, and... This case we're going to talk about, it did happen to a company. So it was a company with some assets, so they were able to fight it. But if something like this happened to me or you, like, we'd be wrecked. We'd be fucking done. And we'll talk at the end of this episode about their extreme examples, but they are examples of how the International Emergency Economic Powers Act could be turned on citizens and used to crush dissent. But first, let's talk about kind hearts for charitable humanitarian development. That doesn't start well for them. It's like calling something the Patriot Act. Like, that's such a fucking... Yeah. Nah, I mean, I know, it's sorry, a, I'm digress. It's, it's just such an absurd name. It's a weird name, but uh, they are an example of where that authority that the government passed with the Patriot Act, where they're like, well, we can just take your shit without proving you've done anything. Like, just because we're investigating, we'll Don't take your shit. Don't fuck with kind hearts. They successfully challenged this, but I mean, don't fuck with kind hearts. The ending of this isn't great. Nah, nah. Like they don't, they don't win. They just don't lose. And they were a non-governmental organization that operated out of Toledo, Ohio. Shout out to the Shout out. Uh, airplane museum in Toledo. Shout out to the best city in Ohio. Toledo's great. I've been there. Uh, their stated goal. Provide humanitarian aid without regard to religious or political affiliation. That's Kind Heart's goal, not Toledo, Ohio's. And on February 19th, 2006, the U.S. Treasury froze the organization's assets after finding that they were fundraising for Hamas. They had no notice. They had no hearing. The government just one day, like I'm assuming someone at Kind Heart's went to check the bank account. And was like, oh, we have zero money except for a $129 processing fee from our bank for handling this transaction from the government. That actually happened to me once. I had a tax issue and I wasn't getting the notices that they were sending because mm -hmm. I moved. So they levied my bank account. Not only did they take all my money, my bank charged me a $129 processing fee. Yeah, I was thinking that was a specific number. You for that for that transaction like just kick me when i'm down but i got it all figured out it was fine but so yeah no notice no hearing just one day all your assets belong to the u.s government 
And the assets were frozen on the assertion that the charity was under investigation. The Office of Foreign Assets Control threatened to label them a, quote, specially designated global terrorist. SDGT. Which that term will come up again in a minute. And this was all based on classified evidence that the organization wasn't allowed to see or defend themselves against in court. And so the government one day just shows up, takes their shit, says, we're looking into it. And until then, you have nothing and you cannot operate in the United States. And so they took it to court to the best of their ability. And in 2009, the Ninth Circuit Court ruled that the government violated Kinehart's right to due process and that the government government cannot freeze an organization's assets without obtaining a warrant based on probable cause, which that's good, but... Is it good enough? Is it good enough? Like, is it going to stop? Is the government just going to be like, okay, we'll never do that again? Or are they doing the exact same thing with Huawei right now? Finding ways to plant evidence or manipulate narratives. Yeah, they've, they've not presented any solid evidence that Huawei or ZTE, their competitor in China... I mean, I read China, it on Breitbart, Adam. If that's not evidence, I don't know what is. That's a, Yeah, that's that's kind of what it is. There's just a lot of stories out there about, oh, they're spying on us. Like, so show us the proof. It's like today Trump's like, what do you tweet? Something like, word on the street is another caravan is... Is growing. It's what like, what street? are you talking about? What street? Someone just walked past Trump and was like, there's another character. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane. And so the Ninth Circuit Court kind of ruled in their favor, which is great. But the government didn't stop. Like, they kept this lawsuit going. And in 2002, finally, Kind Hearts agreed to... 2012. Dis- or 2012, right. Kind Hearts agreed to dissolve their organization and redistribute their assets as part of a settlement with the government. So the government managed to shut them down. The court said, you're bad for doing that. And the government was like, all right, we're still going to shut them down and they're not going to keep their assets. We're going to give those to other organizations. And we did all of this. How much money was involved? Do you have any idea? It was millions of dollars. And they did all of this through a 2001 International Emergency Economic Powers Act that was or, or an executive order that invoked IEPA that was issued to fight the, and this is a quote, threat of terrorist attacks on the U.S. and its nationals. And that covers everyone. It's worldwide. Because normally these orders target specific countries or individuals. This just targets anyone who is involved in terrorist attacks on the U.S. or its nationals. And the government has a long history of really broadly defining who's involved in a terrorist attack. Like, there are immigration cases now where the woman, like, there's a woman who, she was a doctor and, like, sewed someone's wound up because she's a doctor. And when you see an injured person, that's what you do. And it turned out later that he was either ISIS or Al-Qaeda. And she gets here, and they're like, no, you gave material aid to terrorists. You can't fucking come here. Or when a bunch of people from Saudi Arabia fly planes into the World Trade Center, and then the government's like, let's attack Iraq. And they're like, they're from Saudi Arabia. And they're like, Iraq's close enough. Right, yeah. That's how I play Plague Incorporated. (laughs) Just whatever country's close to the one I want to kill. And... Uh, yeah, so now there's this broad order out there where anything they deem terrorism and anything a person does in relation to that terrorism, no matter how fucking minor, no matter how fucking consequent, like inconsequential, they can just put something like this in place. And it allows us to seize U.S. held property of specially designated global terrorists that commit or threaten to commit or support terrorism. And in the case of Kind Hearts, where they're like, we're just giving money, we're just sending money over there regardless of what, we're just trying to help. One of the arguments in this case when the government brought it up was that the Bush administration was mostly doing this to put pressure on Hamas. Because at that point, Hamas had just won a democratic election. Like, there is a Palestinian parliament, and both sides fucking compete in voting in that parliament. And Hamas fucking was democratically elected in parliament 
in 2006. And that's when we were like, hey, this fucking Kind Hearts organization, let's get them. Because what Kind Hearts was doing was sending humanitarian aid to the Gaza Strip. And what it is argued or has been argued is that the Bush administration was like, well, if we can cut that humanitarian aid, then the people living under Hamas right now will be very upset with Hamas because when things go bad, you blame your own government. Like, that's what's happening in Venezuela. Like, we are responsible for a lot of that. But if you're living there, it just feels like, whatever, you could fix it. You're here. So they wanted to kind of spread dissent among the constituents who had voted Hamas into power by cutting off humanitarian aid, like literally starving people so they'll vote for someone else in the next election. That's our... That's that's our fucking gold standard of human kindness that we pretend to spread all around the world. We starve motherfuckers when they vote for the wrong party in other countries. We did it in Venezuela, and it seems like that's what we were trying to do here, and it worked. Tomas lost the next election. We never gave those assets back. They never got that humanitarian aid back, and they lost. We did what we wanted to do. And tied to telecommunications, the United States government could turn that internally and start doing that to its own citizens, but instead of, like, starving us with food, just starving us with internet access or, like— oh, yeah. Certain apps are saying, like, Facebook's unconstitutional. I don't know, some bullshit. Yeah, I do I do feel like a lot of what's happening with Huawei is them wanting control to control of internet infrastructure. Like that's a like when there's an uprising, one of the first things a fucking tyrannical government will do is shut down the internet. Yeah. Like that it happened in communicate. Egypt when there was that uprising there. Like it happens all the time. And I think the government wants to be able to do that. I think they want that control of the internet that allowing a mostly benign foreign power to build instead is it's no good like they can't control that so uh, that was that was the argument for when we used it in 2006 and i know people hearing this might be like oh yeah we probably don't use that often there are almost 30 national emergencies currently on the books right now in the united states i think it's yeah 27 uh Let's just look at this list. You can find it on Wikipedia. Look up the IEPA on Wikipedia. One of them, the 1979 Iran hostage crisis. We still have a national emergency declared over the Iran hostage crisis, which is older than most of the people listening to this podcast. Because you guys are young people. Right. Exactly. You're young and beautiful. Uh and so we issued that one in 1979. Since then, uh, we've, we issued one in 94 over the proliferation of weapons of mass destruction. That one was worldwide. 95, we imposed one on Iran. 95 in Colombia. 2001, the Western fucking Balkans. Oh, really seem to start Balkans. God damn it. 2003, Zimbabwe, 2004, Syria, 2006, Belarus. Like, are all, like, is Belarus a country you hear and you're like, oh, yeah, they're a real threat to national security? But not since we enacted Executive Order 13405. And you have to think a lot of these places are countries where we want a better government in power. And this is just like, we have a checklist of countries that we need to start thinking the way we think yeah and better in quote and this is where we keep that list and on wikipedia iran has been on that list for a long fucking time so this isn't a rare thing like we issue these all the time the the obama one about venezuela came out in 2015 oh what's the russian one up top this one yeah oh the ukraine crisis that's what the magnitsky act is basically uh that's where that comes from Another really interesting one, 2015, there was a worldwide order issued for significant malicious cyber-enabled activities, which that's like computer hacking, but we'll get to how I feel like that one could really be exploited to crack down on dissent in the United States. So let's talk about some, some nightmare scenarios. We're already on, on the brink of issuing this over China which we talk about it more on the What in the World episode, but the people that's mostly going to impact is people in rural areas. The same people that overwhelmingly voted for Trump because a lot of those carriers in rural areas use 
Huawei or ZTE equipment because it's significantly cheaper. So they've built these big infrastructures using that equipment. And now we're issuing this executive order and they're like, so are we going to just have to tear all that shit out? And yeah. You American it? shit, you unpatriotic fucks. Yeah. And the, fucks. the government's just been like, yeah, maybe. Like you might. You might have to just replace all your stuff without being compensated. But uh, otherwise, you're an enemy of the government, so you probably should do it. And that's like the real fucking threat those places are facing, is if they don't tear out all of their internet infrastructure and replace it with more expensive U.S. equipment, they're basically contributing to espionage. Like, you could fucking go to prison over that. What the important thing is here is that that U.S. equipment in no way would have any potential to spy on its own citizens. Definitely not. And we also, so about that cyber-enabled activities thing, we know that in the run-up to the 2016 election, a lot of times there would be protests where it would it would almost be like there, like there would be a protest, there would be a counter-protest, and it was all done through Facebook and people joining these Facebook groups and being like, yeah, I want to fucking protest Trump. And what we found out is that a lot of that came from Russia. A lot of it was Russia going, well, what if we just book a protest and a counter-protest in downtown LA and see what happens? Yeah. Like, maybe it'll turn into a riot. Who knows? And or that's, we plant a couple fucking bad actors. And- right. Like, what's happening in France? Like, I, I don't doubt that some of that violence is organic, but I think there's also people going into what is basically a protest about gas prices and turning it violent. Sure. Well, those people are the kindling or the spark that starts the fire. Right. Now, imagine you're in the U.S., and we already know the Trump administration wants to crack down on violent protests. There was one of the first things... Wants to crack down on protests, period. Right. One of the first things he did upon taking office was try to subpoena the records of this website that organized Inauguration Day protests. And they wanted to see if they could identify anyone who was there and then charge them with whatever violence Just fucking or- upload a picture of the crowd to Facebook and Facebook right. will be like, do you want to tag this person? That's why when people are, like, fucking selfieing it up at protests, it's like, don't do that. Like, you're... You're incriminating you're yourself. You're incriminating yourself. Well, not that you did a crime, but, like, through this lens of, of the Trump administration, right. you're potentially incriminating yourself. And so now imagine you go on Facebook and you see this protest is happening and you mark, yep, I'm going. And then you go to the protest, maybe you take your fucking picture, you put it on Facebook, and that protest turns violent. And then later we find out that protest was organized by some fucking monster in Russia who wanted that protest to turn violent. They got what they want. But now you're on Facebook saying, hey, I was there. I was part of it. What would stop the government from coming after you and being like, well, that was malicious cyber activity, clearly, and you were involved in it. So while we sort this out, we're just going to take your assets and you can come fight us in court if you want. Maybe we'll lose, but we can afford to lose. Can you afford to lose? Can you afford to not win next week? Like, can you drag it out that long? You probably can't. A lot of motherfuckers in that situation cannot. And that would be such an easy way for like it would it would be like a fucking uber for crushing dissent the minute a motherfucker is identified as having been at something that turned violent and you know it was organized outside the country done you're you're part of it at that point are you even gonna fight it in court like can you go to court and go well yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i was there but i wasn't part of the violence it's like it doesn't matter if you were part of the violence you were there so that i know that's an extreme scenario but it is a way that this could be used against people in the United States. Well, it's not like we have a president overseas taking selfies with the Navy SEAL 5 team and outing. <laughs> oh, what is his fucking problem, man? And the same thing with remittance payments. All Trump would have to do is go in front of Congress and say Mexico is a threat. They won't stop illegal immigration. So we need to build this border wall. The, Which the, he's basically been planting the seeds of that narrative for three right. years. And I promised Mexico would pay for it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to issue this uh, order, this International Emergency Economic Powers Act order, and say that Mexico is a threat to national security. And what we're going to do is seize remittance payments. 
and that would that would cause three things. One, if you were sending money back home, like all it would require is putting a check in place, like one extra check to whatever wire services people are using. That's basically a citizenship check. And if your wire transfer doesn't pass that check, goes to the wall fund. They just keep it. They keep it. And you potentially as an illegal immigrant, if you're feeling very ballsy, can go to court and be like, hey, you took my remittance money. Why would you do that? And they'll go, you're right. We're going to deport you. It shouldn't be remittance money. You should just be back in your home country. That's that's where IEPA, as it pertains to the border wall, becomes so scary because, yes, Kind Hearts was able to fight it. And there's this precedent that if you take this to court and fight it, the court might side with you and maybe you'll get your shit back. But you're not going to do that if you're an undocumented worker sending money back home. You're either going to give up that money or you're going to, once word spreads that money's getting seized that way, you're going to go to alternate means, like maybe mailing it out of the country. And at that point, we can seize that too. Like we could just be like, all right, if you're mailing money out of the country, you have to have this particular stamp on the package. And if we detect money that's going out of the country that doesn't have that stamp, we're going to take that money. Also, if there's a return address, we're probably going to come and deport you. And there wouldn't be much anyone could say about it. Like, I, I think I think it's where that stigma of, oh, Trump is dumb. I think that's where that comes into play. Trump? Where people are... There's only so much... A, a president is just represent like, the, the kingpin. Right. Kingpin's name, the, where there's so many people with that are driven by different motives underneath. Like, I think you pointed out the notes. It's not like he's going to be sitting there, like, yeah. designing the stamp or writing the fucking He's not going to be building the system that does this check. He also has people in his like, ears, oh, like, Cheney, you know, people say, Bush this, Bush that. That's Cheney, just pulling the fucking strings. Oh, Trump's not smart enough to think of something like that. I'm just a dude doing a podcast, and I thought of it. And Trump's, some motherfucker in the Trump's government is dumb enough about to this. just sign off on anybody that like sucks up to him, or is like, right. this, this will get you votes. And uh, yeah, the the International Emergency Economic Powers Act is absolutely how Trump could make Mexico pay for that border wall. And I know there are going to be a lot of objections to that. Oh well, we don't have like just the fact that that check isn't in place right now. That doesn't mean it can't be. Like, that's that's a thing. Like, we have an e-verify system in this country where you can run a social security number through and tell if someone's a citizen. It's fucking as simple as that. You could apply e-verify to money transfers leaving the country and, like, even make it just a check mark that you have to check on the form you fill out to wire money. In a lot of cases, you're just going to check that, not even knowing what it means, and then that cashier is going to have to be like, the government decided to keep your money. And like word of mouth would spread that that was happening and people would turn to alternative means. But we'd get a lot of money in that first wave of seizures and it might amount to $5 billion. So, Or it could totally not amount to $5 billion and then Trump the administration well, just that, lies about it and says they got $5 billion yeah. and pulled the money elsewhere. Yeah. There's that GoFundMe that'll pick up the rest. It'll be fine. So... <sighs> the International Emergency Economic Powers Act. Aye. I was I was just weirded out when I saw it saw the name pop up this week in relation to Huawei because it feels like oh okay it's starting like this is where Trump is going to start exerting control over the flow of money to control us. May 2019 be the year Robert Mueller pulls the trigger. I, I know don't people see are it like, coming. It's just I don't think it's going to take Trump down. I don't know. I don't know either. I hope. I hope. I hope something takes Trump down before some shit like this happens. I think what could conceivably happen is they get his balls in a vice grip and then he basically resigns so his family doesn't have to go to jail or whatever. But even then, it's like, you're getting off, like... And then we have President Mike Pence. Yeah, but then, like, Trump basically gets away with everything, right? Yeah, there is one argument out there that the Republicans have wanted Mike Pence as president all along, but they knew he wasn't gonna fucking beat hillary clinton so they'll maybe just move to impeach trump and give us president pence and man that's not gonna be better well they'll be they'll be more likely to impeach trump when it's a democratic led house because then they can be like well the dems brought it and like what choice did we have you know that yeah type of thing. so that's our episode make sure you tune in to what in the world this week where we talk about 
next year. Uh, <laughs> in 2019, check out What in the World, where we talk about talk more about the International Emergency Economic Powers Act and how it's being used against China, probably also in a pretty shady way that doesn't make sense. But until then, what do we have to plug, Chet? Uh, you can see me tonight at the uh, cafe for New Year's Eve if you're in the greater Los Angeles area. And I'm sure we have a show at the end of the month or something. Yeah, we'll have a show at the end of January. We'll figure it out. I have some other shows, but they're so L.A. specific. Right? Maybe 2019 will be the year we go back out on the road, Adam. I do want to go back. I, I want to tour maybe in the summer, like summer to fall. I want to, I want to, to plan a big tour. I want to go to Vancouver. I just need a reason to go there. I have a DUI. I don't think I can go. All right. The You and Vanessa. You, yeah. Vanessa, and Carrie. You had me up until the carry. No, you and Carrie touring, nope. touring nah. with each other. No, around the country. Not gonna happen. Yeah, I would love it. No, you'd love it, Chat. Not. No, tour with Carrie around the country, Chat. No, I'm gonna arrange it. It's gonna be great. No, we're gonna get you into festivals. Not with Carrie. As you're gonna call yourselves, Cat, Cat. That's Carrie and Chet. Or Cherry. Cherry? Holy shit. The Cherry Tour. Mm-hmm. 2019. I don't like any of this. Cherry hitting the road. I That's would, Chet Wild. That's Carrie Martin. From combined into one that. being doing I'm comedy for you on the road. The Cherry Tour 2019. Cherry is very mean. That's to me. what I have to play. I would not put myself through that. Level that of emotional distress. That is my plug. Check out Cherry hitting the road in 2019. Let's go to Col- I would rather go to Columbus with you than tour with Carrie. If we could ever get Maria Shahada back in the country, we could do a show with her in Columbus. But is she from Columbus? Yeah, but she lives in England now. Yeah, she's lived there for a few years. That's why she's never on the podcast. Oh, I know that, but I know she's from Columbus. Yeah. All right. So that's our episode. We should get the fuck out of here why i don't have a show for a couple hours i got time to kill chat no i'm gonna stay here Say until goodbye. midnight so people can hear us kiss each other with the ball drop sorry angie goodbye everybody we love you happy what? new year no happy new year no <laughs>